Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. I bring you greetings from uh, Lavine Baptist Church in Phoenix. They are our the church where they've allowed us to meet, where we've localized Nehemiah Community Church in Phoenix. And so uh, last Sunday they prayed for us because we are going on a mission. And they said, wherever you go, go with our greetings. So I bring you greetings from Lavin Baptist Church in Phoenix. I came with my wife, Pauline, over here. I, I see new faces, so that's Pauline. Yeah, she's the one that dressed me today, so <laughs> that explains why I'm not dressed for the weather. <laughs> when we left Phoenix, it was, yesterday, it was 72. <laughs> yes, and we landed here, and I think it's, what, 30-something, maybe? <laughs> but I am happy to be home. It always feels great to be in Silver Lake Baptist Church. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor James and the church here for allowing Pauline and I to always feel at home and to be able to minister together with you. Uh, It feels so Christmassy, (laughs) but I didn't bring a message of Christmas, so I'm going to spoil the mood in a little bit, but I hope uh, this is what God's God wants us to hear. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for the gathering of brethren. Thank you, Lord, for the hope of glory. Thank you, Lord, that we are not as orphans, them that are without hope, that we are them that are called and saved and redeemed. By a great prize, we've been bought And so, Lord, we thank you so much that even as we sit, Lord, in this sanctuary, this cold morning, we, our hearts are warm, knowing that you are with us, you are Emmanuel, God with us, and that you will never leave us, never forsake us. And even in the troubles of this world, through the valleys, the shadows of death, that you are with us. I pray that the word today, Lord, will come with clarity, for that it will minister to me first and then minister to all of us. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you don't mind, if you want to stand up, I want us to read the word of God in Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 24. If you are able to stand, it's okay. If you are not, I will understand. Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 24. And I'm going to read out of the new King James Version. I've titled the message today, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, help my unbelief. So the story we're going to read is a story about a father and a son, and the father trying everything he can to be able to get healing for a son that he loves. But before we get to the, what, the part we are going to read, Jesus is not in the picture 
in this uh, in these verses uh, that are earlier before this, he's at the Mount of Transfiguration. He's out there with his three disciples, and when he's out there, uh, verse fourteen starts, and he's coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and he comes to verse fourteen of Mark chapter nine. This is what it says, and when he, talking of Jesus, came. To the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He forms at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Verse 19. Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long? Has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him. Who believes? Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may sit down. Sometime last week I was driving in the hot weather of West Phoenix. I have to say warm because I know it's different here. We are still putting ACs on in our cars in Phoenix because it's too hot. I'm still wearing shorts. Hallelujah. I want you to feel jealous a little bit. <laughs> you do? <laughs> yeah. So I was driving one of these days uh, in the morning, and I, was, I had the Christian radio on, and blazing out of the radio was this song by Brian Fowler. The song... Is titled, What I Really Need. And I want to read to you a few words in that song. These words, I've heard these songs before, but these words that day ministered to me in a different way. I guess it's because I was sitting in a traffic jam, so I wasn't moving forward, so I was paying attention. And these are the words that are in that song. This is the chorus of that song. Brian says, 
through all this, you are showing me that I need truth instead of answers. I need faith instead of sight. I need trust when I can't find the reasons why. I need presence over blessings. I need promise over proof. I need hope of healing in my life. What I really need is you. And so these words that day jumped out and I said, why is this song sounding so different to me today? And maybe it's because of the circumstances that I was going through. On that day I was going to work and I was going to do a double because I was trying to raise funds to make sure that I have an air ticket to make sure that I go to Kenya. And I was juggling so many things and so many questions. What will, it, what will happen in this mission that we are going to? Where will all the that is needed come from? And I was asking myself a lot of questions. Lord, will you just show me something? Give me a sign. Give me, show me a sight. Give me some reasons. May you bless over my life. Give me some proof. I, 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 I want to put out, uh, like, uh, uh, I want to put out uh, something out there so that the Lord can confirm that the things that He wants to do in my life will actually happen. And those words of that song ministered to me. And today I want us to hear the same words again. And I've made it into a sermon. How great that is, right? You pick a song and make a sermon out of it. It's not a Baptist way to do it. <laughs> but please uh, just bear with me this one day. Three things that I want us to look at. Faith over sight. Presence over blessings. And promise over proof. Faith, oversight, presence, over blessings, and promise over proof. In Luke, where we've read, in the book of Mark, sorry, where we've read, you can almost hear the cry of the Father. You can almost hear him crying out, I believe, but Lord, I've stayed with this child since childhood. I've gone through so much. I want to believe, but help my unbelief. Many times we know what God is telling us to do. Many times we know where God is leading us to. But because of where we've come from, because of the mountains we've had to go through, the valleys we've had to endure, we look at our situation and say, Lord, I believe. I know it's possible, but help my unbelief. I know you've done it before. I know you've opened up the Red Sea before. I know you've fed people manna for 40 years. I know you've done this and done the other one. I know you healed my mother and healed my sister. And I know you've saved me. But Lord, I'm facing a mountain today. And I believe, but yet help my unbelief. Jesus asked him, for how long has 
this been happening to him, and he says from childhood. And he says, this child has been, thrown both, has been thrown both into the fire and has been thrown into the water. The spirit, the demon that comes upon him has tried to destroy him. This is a situation that I've had to live with. It is a situation that has become part and parcel of my life. I don't know of life outside this struggle. I don't know of life outside this addiction. I don't know of life outside this rebellious son. I don't know of life outside this thing that is always a pain on my side. I've been struggling. I believe, Lord. But yet, I don't think I believe enough that one of these days I'm going to see the end of my son being thrown into the fire and being thrown into the water. And the father is calling out. I want to believe that this father had gone to the scribes before and said, scribes, you are the man of God. Please pray over my son. And the scribes said, we can give you some Torah, but we don't know exactly what to do with you. And maybe one of those days they had gone to healers and he had probably gone to mediums. He had tried to go everywhere where he can get help. No, he had seen the best doctor in that area. He had seen the best magician in that area. He had tried everything. And one of those days, he saw the disciples of Jesus. And, and maybe word had gone out that Jesus heals, Jesus saves, and he had heard the stories about Jesus. And so he comes to the disciples thinking Jesus is among them. And so he comes to them and says, heal my son. And the disciples give it their best. You know, they start praying over him. I see them doing a huddle around the son. I see them laying hands on him. I see them anointing him with oil. I see them speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. <laughs> they are trying everything they know. You know, they are saying, we were sent out two by two. And these things happened when we did that. And so, just like it happened, then it's going to happen now. And so they are praying over this son that is possessed by a demon. And the father is standing by the side and hoping and saying, please, please, let this be the day. Let this be the day. And the disciples are not able to do it. And so Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration and he finds a crowd gathered. And the Bible says they all run to him. They realize there is no help in any other place other than in Jesus. So they all run to him and they cry out and say, and they greet him. And Jesus asks them, what are you discussing? What is this thing that has made you guys call this impompu meeting? What is happening in this locality? And so they give him the story of the son. And Jesus asks in verse 21, Jesus says in verse 23, he says, If you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And the father really wants to believe. <laughs> Deeply, he really yearns with everything within him to believe. But he says, help my unbelief. As believers, we will always have a struggle between faith over sight. Things are seemingly not going the right way. 
yet we believe. We, we know he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. We know it's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provideth. But yet in my situation, I'm not seeing provision. In this time and season, I am looking for provision. And where is this provision? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm struggling with this situation. I'm struggling with this sickness. I'm struggling with this son. I'm struggling with this daughter. I'm struggling with this case in court. There are so many things that are happening in my life that I want to apportion faith to. But many a times my faith seems not able to accomplish it. My faith seems to come short. My faith seems not to accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. And so many times we look at it and we say, faith is not working. I'm going to talk faith, but I'm going to walk by sight. I'm going to pray prayerful. I'm going to pray faithful prayers, but when it comes to the to doing things, I'm going to rely on sight. How many of us have prayed over somebody, prayed for their salvation, prayed for their redemption, prayed for their deliverance, and when that person comes over and says, hey, I want to, I want to come to Christ, you go like, are you sure? Are you, are you really sure? <laughs> like you've been praying. But then you are looking at them and you're saying, no, 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 no. I, is it, do you want some money for me? What is this about? What is this about? But then you've been praying. You know, it happened when they were praying for Peter to be released from prison. And they were gathered in that house and they were praying, oh, Lord, release Peter from this prison. And then Peter comes and knocks at the door. And the, and, and the girl comes and says, well, Peter is at the door. And the people say, don't interrupt prayers. That is just an angel. <laughs> I want to believe so much. But yet, in the midst of my belief, there is unbelief. There is sight. David writes in Psalms 103 verse 7. This is what he says in Psalms 103 verse 7. He says, God made known his ways to Moses and his actions to the children of Israel. The book of Psalms 103 is a story of a thankful heart of praise to God. David is giving reasons why we should praise God. He's motivating us to join him in praising God. But in the midst of that chapter, he comes to verse 7 and he writes something that is seemingly unrelated to the theme in that book. And he says, he pauses and says, God showed his ways to Moses but his actions to the children of Israel. No wonder there's a difference between how Moses would act and how the children of Israel would act. The children of Israel were only limited to seeing the deeds of God. The actions of God did manna show up this morning. Oh, God is in our midst. They are looking for sight. Oh, did water come out of that rock? Oh, God is here with us. Oh, did the sea open up? Oh, really, God is working. Look at the Egyptians drowning. God is really at work. And they were going by sight. And to them, whatever things were happening were the proof that God is in their midst. So what happens when they come to a place where there is no water and the water is salty? But they are going by sight. 
The only way they experience God is what God is doing. It's what they see in the morning and what they see in the evening. They see a cloud, of, a cloud during the day. They see a cloud of fire in the night and they know God is there with them. So they are going by sight. But not so with Moses. Not so with Moses. Moses did not need to see a sign. Moses understood the ways of God. You see, brethren, when we walk by sight and we try to apportion faith over sight, when we try to apportion sight over faith, then we will fall short. When things that are supposed to be happening do not happen in our time. When that redemption and that deliverance does not come quickly. When that healing does not come speedily. When you are not out of debt in record time. When, when instead of getting promoted at work, you get demoted or you get fired. When you are raising these funds and then instead of getting enough, you are getting below enough. When you are praying for that son and that daughter, but instead of them coming around, they are rebelling the more. Then, because you are walking by sight, you decide God is not there. And God is not at work. And that was the same predicament with the children of Israel. They were looking at the things that God will do. And when you walk by sight, then you start asking yourself, can he even do more? So they were getting manna every day. And then one of these days they decided, hmm, no, we've, we've, we've eaten enough of manna. Can he provide meat? You know, can this God, can this God provide something, a different diet? You know, can we get some pies, pumpkin pies maybe? Can he provide dessert? I don't know whether manna came with dessert. I'm not sure. I'm like, can he provide dessert with this manna? Lord, are you able? And it was not a prayer. It was a complaint. It was like, we've had enough of this manna. And they are complaining to Moses. When the water was salty, it was not, oh, Lord, we know you are able to provide. They were like, why are we drinking salty water? When the Egyptians were pursuing them, and they were coming after them, and the Red Sea was in front of them, it was not, oh, Lord, save us. It was, why did you bring us to the desert to die? Because they are walking by sight. David invites us in that verse, in verse 7 of 103, that we may go to where Moses is, that we do not just see the actions of God and live there, but we go up yonder and understand his ways. And understand that he's not working within our calendar. Many of us made resolutions when the year was starting. And my, you, still, you, you, have, you, have a, you have only 27 days to go. <laughs> and, 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 and probably, I don't know about you, but maybe a lot of what you made resolutions for has not happened. Hey, I have, I have a proposition for you. Maybe it won't even happen. Because God does not work with our calendar. God is not restricted to 2023. No, there's nothing that is written. God has to do this for you in the year 2023. God works out of time. He is not constrained by our time. You know, maybe you've been waiting for that miracle. You've been waiting for that thing to happen. You've been waiting for that breakthrough to come through. But God says, it is in my timing. Walk ye in my ways. Humble yourself before the Lord. And in his own time, in his own time, not in your timing, 
Not in your calendar, not where, you, not where, where you've marked it to do list. God does not look to, at your diary when he wants to answer your prayers. God has his own diary. And maybe it's important for us to understand that our diary does not have to be God's diary. He has his own diary. And it is not his diary to be fixed into our diary. It is our diary to be fixed upon his diary. It is us to, 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 to uplift him as God. It's for us to understand his ways and not for him to come down to our level and try to make things happen in our timing. Moses understood his ways, the ways of God. So David is beckoning us in this verse and says, come up here. Go, come up here and move beyond the manner experience. Move beyond just seeing what God is doing and move to a point where you understand why he's doing these things. His ways. That calls faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Evidence of things not seen. That sounds like a contradiction. It's an, it's a, it's, it's an evidence of things. You know, when you hear things, you think of tangible things. But these are things not seen. These are things not yet realized. You know, he says, come to me and I will tell you great and unsearchable things. You know, God is calling us to a place in Mount Sinai like he did to Moses. And says, come to me. Let us converse face to face. Let me tell you of great and unsearchable things. Let me tell you of things so profound that have not entered into the ears of man and the eyes of man have not seen. Come up here and let me tell you about my ways. I want you to develop your faith and not your sight. But then the second thing is presence over blessings. And I want to relates to a story in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. This is what Moses says in Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. Moses says, God says to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Let me give you a background to why God said that in Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. In Exodus chapter 32, the children of Israel rebelled. Moses is up in Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 32, and he's getting the Ten Commandments, and he's conversing with God. And down at the camp, the children of Israel realized Moses has overstayed. And so there is no leader, there's no de facto leader. And so they call Aaron and his sons, and they put all their gold ornaments in one pot, and they make a golden calf. And so they start worshipping and raveling this golden calf. And so God is angry with them. And God tells Moses, no, there is noise in the camp. Something is happening down in the camp. Go down there and talk to your people. And Moses comes down and the people are worshipping this golden calf. And they are saying, behold our God who took us out of Egypt. But this is what God says to Moses. God says to Moses in chapter 32, in chapter 33, verse 1. He says, well, these people have sinned, but I still promise to take them to the promised land. I will still take them there. 
but I will not go with them. <laughs> I will not go with them. Verse 3 of Exodus chapter 33, God says, I will not go with them lest I consume them on the way, for they are a stiff, naked people. These are stubborn people. And I don't want to go with them because if I go with them, I'm going to destroy them. So I'm going to send you on your way, Moses. I'm going to send my angel ahead of you. And he's going, to, he's going to take the people to the promised land, but I will not go with them. But Moses intercedes with the people, for the people. And Moses talks to God and says, what will the nations say? And Moses is pleading with God and says, please go with us. Don't send us with us with an angel. Don't just send us on our way. If you don't go with us, we don't want to leave this place. Please go with us. And that's what when God promises in chapter 33, verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, Moses understood something more than the Israelites understood. Moses understood that where the presence of God goes, then his provision will also go. Where the presence of God goes, then everything that is godly will follow in that order. But if God does not go with them, then they are on their own. And yes, Moses understood we could get into that promised land. We could get there and, and, and get the milk and get the honey. But if God is not with us, it's a matter of time and we will be destroyed. No, we may seem to go very far on our own. We may seem to go very far with our denomination. We may seem to go very far with our own mentalities. But it is short-lived. If God does not go with you, then your victory will be short-lived. Your victory will be for a season. And Moses understood that. And Moses said, we are not going unless you go with us. Unless you go with us. Not if we have enough money, unless you go with us. Not if we have a big congregation. Well, we shall do this when we have a big congregation. Mm -mm. It's the presence of God with you. No, we shall do this when we have enough money in the budget. You may have the enough money in the budget, but it's God leading you to that side. It's God telling you to move on. Moses says, we are not living unless you go with us. Look at Exodus chapter 25, verse 22. God is talking about the Ark of the Covenant. And so the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And in, Acts chapter, in Exodus chapter 25, verse 22, this is the promise that God gives to Moses. He says, where you put the Ark, and he explained how to, do, uh, how to build the Ark. And he said, in verse 25, he says, and there I will meet with you. God promises, God says, my presence will be there where the ark is. And so every time they carried the ark and they were crossing the Jordan and they were carrying the ark and they were taking it anywhere, it was the presence of God going with them. They were assured that God is with us. God is here with us. And God says, there I will meet with you. I will speak with you from above the mercy seat and between the two cherubim 
which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. Friends, I don't know whether you are just looking for blessings or you are looking for his presence. You know, Moses was given a, a blank check as it may. Go with the children of Israel. I'm going to give them the land. I'm going to keep my promise, but I won't go with them. I'm not going with them. And Moses says, mm -mm. we don't want the blessings without your presence. We don't want success without you leading us. We don't want to walk way ahead of you without your presence being with us, without your cupboard being with us. Presence over blessings. And lastly, because of time, promise over proof. Promise over proof. I don't know whether you are like me. Maybe I'm more of a doubting Thomas. There are so many times that I read the promises of God in the word of God. But then I'm looking for proof. I'm wondering, how will it happen? <laughs> you know, and I stay up all night as if staying up all night will make it happen. And I say it all night, I'm like, how will this be? And, and, and many times I sit up with a piece of paper and a pen and I start strategizing how it will happen. I hear the promise, but then I'm helping you, God, by giving you a roadmap <laughs> on how to accomplish that promise. It's a good promise. You're, you're going to give me Isaac. You're going to give me a son. I'm going to be a father of many nations. I agree. But let me sit down here with Sarah and plan where is Hagar. <laughs> Let's put Hagar in this equation. Because I know we know the promise, but uh, it seems you're, you're delaying. Let's help you out. And many times we have, I have spoiled what God is doing and what God is doing in my life because I have tried to put in my spanner in the works. I've tried to overthink myself. I thought by overworrying, by overthinking, then maybe I'm going to make it happen. Maybe if I talk to more people, maybe if I, maybe if I do that, if, maybe if I do that, and sometimes we do that and we are looking at the promise and we are looking at our present estate, and we are wondering who will bridge this gap. It happens. Now that was the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Luke chapter 1, verse 34. The angel of the Lord appears to her and says, Hail Mary, you are more blessed than all the women, and you shall carry a child. And the child shall you carry shall be called Emmanuel. And, and, and Mary is listening. And in verse 34, Mary looks at the angel and says, How can this be? How can this be? I don't know a man. I hear the promise. I hear what you're going to do. And it is, it is, it is, it is big. It's beyond imagination. That I'm going to be the bearer of the Son of God. That is, it has never happened. This is the first time it's happening. I'm going to be the only person that has been known in history to be pregnant without having a man. This is so great. But how will this happen? 
And so Mary is looking at the great promise. And in her mind, she's going, this is the natural ways of doing things. What you are telling me will never happen in a natural system. I have news for you. What God is telling you will never happen in a natural situation. (laughs) Quit trying to naturalize it. Quit trying to normalize it. Quit trying to bring it into logical perspective. Ah. You know, logically, God will do this. Wrong statement. Because God and logic don't go together. <laughs> logic is your level. His level is supernatural. He does things that are beyond your imagination. Tell me, how do you go into a battle with 300 men? Give me the logic of it. People that have been. How do you go to a battle with a whole army of thousands of people with 300 men carrying chauffeurs and blowing them? You know, logically, <laughs> we are trying to get massacred, <laughs> we are trying to die. In fact, the Bible says when, he, when, when, when Gideon took them to drink water, and he said, if any of you is afraid, please go home. Everyone said, yeah, I'm going home. <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for that. I was just here because I wanted to appear like a man. But yeah, I'm going home. I'm going home. Thank you for giving me that option. I'm going home. And some of them stayed. But they, I can imagine the 300 that remained. And, and so they were like, okay, what's the plan? What's the plan? And he's like, okay, everybody get a chauffeur. And? Let's go surround the city. And? Below the chauffeurs. And? And we're going to get victory. It doesn't make any logical sense. Mary, thank God for Mary. Because in verse 38 of Luke chapter 1, Mary looks at the angel. She doesn't understand what has been said to her. It doesn't make any sense to her. But she says to the angel, Behold the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. How I pray that today we will look at the promises that God has given to us and we will say, Behold the maid servant of the Lord. Behold the man servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me in accordance to your word. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, but let it be unto me in accordance to your word. Your promises are yea and amen. It was the same thing with Esther. Esther is asked by Mordecai, his, her uncle, to go before the king to plead for the Jews. And Esther goes like, you know I'm not supposed to go there. You're trying to get me killed, right? But then Esther says in verse 16 of Esther chapter 4, this is what Esther says, hear this. Esther says, And so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. I'm going to put my life in the line because of the promise that God has made for me. Mary says, I'm going to put my credibility on the line. I'm supposed to be a virgin girl. 
I'm not supposed to be pregnant. I'm betrothed to, 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 to Joseph. In fact, God had to arrange for a night meeting with Joseph to tell him how things are happening. Because Joseph was like, no, if Mary tells this to... You can imagine Mary telling Joseph, you know, I had a meeting with an angel yesterday. <laughs> and in our short meeting, the angel said, I'm, I'm going to be pregnant. So. so I guess I am pregnant. Oh, who is, where's the angel? Well, I don't know where he's at, but he said and he left. So God had to, because men are of little faith, Joseph had to be nudged in a dream, like, you know, what is happening is godly. So hold your cool. It's okay. <laughs> it is a God thing. It happens once in a lifetime. It will never happen again. It has never happened before, but it's happening this once. And thank God for him, he agreed. The three Hebrew boys in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, they are supposed to bow before this image that the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, has made. And they refuse to bow. But they look at the king, and this is what they say. I love what they say to the king in verse 16 of Daniel chapter 3. They say to the king, O king, we have no need to be careful to answer you in this matter. We don't need to be careful here. We know the promise. We know our God. We know he's more superior to you. We know what he's able to do. And then, and then they say something marvelous. Even if we do not get saved from the fire. Even if we don't get saved. Yet shall we stand with what we believe. We're going to put our life in the line. We're going to put our reputation in the line. Even if, say how many times do we go pray for people and hope, I hope this prayer works. <laughs> Because if it doesn't work, I'm going to be so embarrassed. <laughs> well, I'm going to pray. Because him that has called me and him that I'm praying to is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what I can imagine. According to the power that works within me, he's going to be able to do it. But even if it doesn't happen, he's still God. Amen. He's still God. His promises stand he promises are yea and amen. He doesn't change. How I pray that we will not look for proof, but look at the promise and be emboldened by the promise that God has given to us and walk in our most righteous faith. Hold our heads high. Even when situations look like they are, do not, they are not in tandem with what we believe. Even when it seems as if we are walking down a slippery road, that we shall still wait and call on him. Even as you come to the end of the year and you look at the resolutions that you've made and you realize these are not going to be accomplished, still hold on to God because it is him that gives us the promise and it is him that goes with us and it is him that has allowed all these things to happen in our lives. Because he's able to do that. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. We exalt your name. Thank you for your word. Father, I pray that just like it ministered to me on that car when I was listening to it and listening to this song, Father, that this word has uplifted somebody, has blessed someone. Even as we come to the end of this year, Lord, Almighty God, we are going to look upon you. 
not upon ourselves, but upon you. Father, we will not trade our faith for sight, and we will not trade your presence for blessings, and we will not trade your promise for proof. And Lord, we thank you and we bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.